This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Your Money on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here is Professor Ken Smetters. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Your Money and Sirius XM's Business Radio, Channel 111. It's powered by the Wharton School. And I'm Kent Smith, professor here at the Wharton campus in Philadelphia. And we're live every Tuesday from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern. That's 2 to 4 p.m. For those of you on the West Coast, and the purpose of the show is always simply to help you make better decisions with your money. And we often focus on the ways to increase your productivity and uh, save money in the first part and then of course, for the rest of the show, we t- typically focus on ways to then wisely spend um, your money, and including things like paying down debts, buying insurance, and of course, how to invest your money. With that, let me introduce my first guest, Christine Roberts, who's the head of student uh, lending at Citizens uh, Bank, and uh, she's a 27-year veteran of the financial services industry. She oversees Citizens Student Lending, um, which really focuses on helping uh, students pay for college, um, and including uh, refinancing both of private and federal uh, student loans. Welcome to the show, Christine. Thanks so much, Kent. Thanks for having me. And if you have a question about your own financial uh, needs in terms of uh, getting a loan for college or maybe one of your uh, kids is going through college, now is especially a great time to be calling here um, live on uh, on Tuesdays here at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four. Nine four two seven eight six six. So, Christine, uh, Citizens uh, Bank has, has certainly done a, a recent article uh, what they're uh, uh, referring to as the Junior Achievement Citizens Bank Survey and College Saving. So, what what were some of the big uh, findings? What kind of surprised you the most? You know, I, I think for us, some of the findings that that were really surprising was, you know, number one, how many families are not talking about the cost of college and how they're going to pay for it and and how little folks really had in savings. And so, you know, not having that conversation mm-hmm. is really doing your child a disservice. And, you know, making sure they understand how much is going to be invested in their future, how much they're going to borrow or you're going to borrow, and what does that mean four years after you graduate, right? If you're going to borrow $25,000 know, or twenty seven, which is pretty much what you would get from the, an undergrad would get from the government, then what does that mean when you have to pay it off, right? How much is that? What does that mean for your life post College. I know everybody's so excited to go to college, but there's the 10 to 15 to 20 years on the back end that you'd be paying off that debt. And then how to make smart decisions, right? If you're choosing schools, are you looking at how much money you're going to make um, on the other side from whatever your career is going to be? And then, you know, how much does that school charge for you to go there? And who's giving you more money? And really looking at this more from a um, a financial standpoint, not just a, oh, my God, I fell in love with X, name that school, and I must go there. Uh, I, I just think so many people are putting themselves in incredible amounts of debt because yeah. they love a school versus what they can really afford to do. Yeah, and uh, truth be told, I actually didn't want to go to college. My mother made me. She said, you'll go to college, and then 
we grew up poor, she says, pointed out, yes, you'll go to college and you'll pay for it. And so uh, off I went to, to, to college and lots of financial, well, not when you say a lot of financial aid, lots of student um, debt. So it's certainly the expectations part is very important there in a sense that uh, do you get a sense that a lot of students who go to college have a sense a belief that their parents are going to help them on the back end paying off those loans and that that's something that's not well appreciated that that may not happen i mean w- what's your sense in terms of expectations of students you know i i, I don't know that they really have any expectation mm-hmm. i think that to me is what the shocker is when you ask you know a student today how much debt they have taken on most of them could not answer that question and so if they don't even know how much it is i'm not even sure they understand how it's going to get paid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it really goes back to, quite frankly, you know, sitting down and talking to your kids. And, and I, I think parents struggle with that conversation. We effectually call it the other talk you have to have with your sure. children, right? But it's really bearing uh, more of yourself to your child and showing them either your financial situation or helping them understand the family's financial situation. Yeah. And parents are just really uncomfortable yeah. with that. I mean, so what that, what is that conversation? Is an ROI, you know, return on investment for college? Uh, what what do you think is the most sensible thing that parents should be talking to their kids about? I, I think the first, and and by the way, I say you start this conversation all all around the same time, right? When they're twelve, thirteen, fourteen, not waiting mm-hmm. until they're juniors or seniors, right. getting ready to go. And you know, the conversation is here's our financial picture as a family. I have two children. So I'm not just, you know, contributing to one education, there's two. And that's pretty consistent in most families. And so here's our financial situation as a family. Here is what I as a parent can support and and give you. And so you know, are you going to do things in high school to be able to earn certain grants? Are you going to, you know, be able to excel academically, et cetera, to help fund that? Are you going to work when you're in high school? Are you going to work when you're in college? You know, having the conversation around here is the number that I can give to you so that when we're looking at colleges and it comes back, here are the, you know, three or four schools that we've applied to and here's the money that comes and, you know, School number one, you you can afford, and school number two, you can't, but you're in love with. We have to make a real choice. Sure. And you know, I, you know, I just love talking to a girlfriend of mine who her daughter fell in love with a school, but would graduate ninety five thousand dollars in debt. Yeah. Or, and by the way, the the mother would have to co-sign all of that debt, yeah. or go to another school that she really liked, but didn't fall in love with. And only have twenty five thousand dollars in debt. Yeah. And, and I'm like, there's no choice there, right? You've got to go where you can afford to live on the other side and still have a great experience, get a great career, you know, and do wonderful things. But you know, there has to be the reality of the of the conversation. Yeah, and uh, here at Ivy League school, and you know, we're all aware of the Hunger Games, you know, aspect of trying to get into one of these schools. Now it's it's crazy in so many different dimensions, but you know, incredible. You know, return on investments can be uh, had at very strong regional schools, like you're saying. I mean, including like the Emory's, the Case Western Reserves, things like that. You don't have to be going to a, a very expensive school to get in a great education. So I'm speaking with Christine Roberts, again, the head of Student Lending Systems Bank. And you have a question about education in particular. Now's a great time to call here at one eight four four at Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight. 
866 and let me go to Kathy calling from Ohio. How can I help you, Kathy? Hi, good afternoon. Uh, hey, so my son's going off to college, and with the scholarships he has, I think we're covered by what's in his 529, but I'm used to putting that money in the 529, and I just wonder, should I just keep throwing that money in there for the tax advantage? Because I guess I'm thinking, well, maybe he'll go to graduate school, or you said you can get it back out at the end if they don't spend it all. Is that true? Uh, yeah. So, Christine, your thoughts, and I'm not sure if you're aware of all the nuances in 529 plans in particular when there's scholarships involved, but why don't you get your thoughts first? I was going to say, you know, you, you can take it out on, on the backside. Um, you would pay your taxes at that point. I'm not, I'm no longer a licensed professional, so I will not be offering full advice. I'll, I'll leave that to Kent. Um, but, you know, there's always opportunities to, to contribute and to, and to manage that. Yeah. In, in, in particular, Kathy, it is true that um, when you take money out of the 529 uh, plan, there are certain implications for it when you're using it for non-education. Do keep in mind the government has a very broad definition of education, including if a computer, for example, is required by the university, not, not if it's optional, living expenses. So in many cases, it's uh, it, a lot of times people think they're overfunded when they're actually not. And then um, if you if you also take it out for non-education expenses, there could be an additional uh, penalty as well, 10% penalty. Um, and so the idea there is you can uh, often, if you can prove uh, that you receive scholarships, um, you can take out as much of the scholarship money to avoid that penalty. But there, yes, you could take it out, but at the same time, um, you just really want to manage that landscape of the, uh, the different uh, uh, types of penalties and really make sure that you're kind of lined up. I uh, Do keep in mind, 529 plans are managed at the state level, not the federal uh, level, but their federal rules, IRS rules, do uh, are what, the, what apply there. So you, what you really want to read up on is if you are overfunded and you receive scholarships, and under what cases and does it apply to you? And it's impossible for me to an- answer that question um, in terms of the type of exact type of scholarships you're receiving, all that. But what, under what cases could you uh, then, when you no longer need the money for education, withdraw it um, uh, up until uh, to the value of, of the scholarship without um, additional penalty? Is that helpful, Kathy? Yeah, so I think you're telling me don't keep putting money in that. Well, you know, if you're really – I would what I would uh, suggest is really take a, 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 an inclusive view of your education expenses, including things like room, board, um, yeah, things like, you know, what's required by the school, if it's computer use, things like that. Um, a fairly broad, you know, view of the things that are allowed. And it's really easy to find a list of what's allowed on our 529 plans. Again, even though administered at the state level, it's a federal, um, it's, it's, since it's a, a, a federal benefit that you get from it, it's actually the federal IRS that has that list. And so once you've added all that up, um, and then if you still think you're overfunded, then there, there really would not be much point um, of putting in um, additional uh, amounts. Uh, and, and yes, you could potentially get some of it by avoiding um, additional penalties uh, by matching against scholarships. But even there, it's it's a bit of a pain. <laughs> it's a bit of a hassle. And so you really have to um, uh, really investigate the type of scholarships and some nitty-gritty detail. But if you think you're overfunded, then you know, I, I probably would stop. Another reason that it, there, there might be a good reason to stop is simply because I actually 
don't have a uh, really believe that it, parents should, and, and this is more normative, but I think it's actually good that kids do have some skin in the game. And in particular, um, if you're, if even if you turned out to be underfunded and your kid had to go out and get a loan at the end, I don't think that's just a terrible thing. Um, and I think what we do keep in mind, you can't use the 529 plan to pay off for loans later on. Um, that's not a valid college expense, even though the loans were for college. Uh, but you can, uh, I think, having you know some skin in the game for your kid. I actually think it makes a, a more rational set of trade-offs uh, for for the kid, uh, being a little bit more real and a little bit more uh, cognitive of the real cost benefit of going to college, and therefore having to take it seriously, taking a challenging degree, taking the courses seriously, and all that type of uh, 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 associated stuff. So thanks so much for calling, Kathy. I grew up in Ohio, and so <laughs> I reminisce of my own uh, college days going going to college in Ohio, and uh, it's it's uh, it's it's a scary time as the as a young kid going to college, it became even more, a little bit more scary with where uh, prices are today. So I'm again speaking with Christine, Christine Roberts, head of Student Lending Citizens Bank, and give us a call. We'd love to talk to you about uh, education for your kids. And um, uh, here at one eight four four Wharton one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Let me go to Chris calling from New York. How can I help you, Chris? Hi, uh, yeah, um, my name is Chris, and I'm actually calling from upstate New York. Yep. I'm actually a first-time immigrant, uh, and I actually came to this country for my graduate school. Uh, I have a Ph.D. and uh, Good for I'm you. A current citizen, uh, current citizen uh, for this country. And uh, me and my wife, we actually have a nine-year-old daughter. Mm. We did not know anything about the 529 plan like about two years ago. Yeah. So we started putting money in that. Uh, so my question is... Uh, between, um, I, I hear a lot of conflicting news about uh, based on income, uh, how the um, the uh, students can get uh, um, some kind of scholarship, and uh, if your family income is beyond a certain level, you don't really qualify for one. So, uh, is there any insight, or is there anything that uh, one could actually go and read on these things? And yeah. based on that, uh, we could actually plan ahead of time, seeing that. Uh, well, if our income is family income is say beyond a certain level, and we really are my daughter is not going to qualify for any of these uh, scholarships, we might as well put in more money at 529 yeah. just so that uh, it is there for her if she uh, uh, if she really needs it. And how, you said your daughter was nine months years old. Oh no, nine years. Nine old. years. So okay. I started, uh, 529, like when she was seven years. Okay, nine years. Okay. Sorry, I missed that. Yeah, it, you know, you don't want to, you know, think that the whatever's written down is going to be stable, f- you know, uh, for over the next, you know, eight nine years before when she goes to college. I mean, you want to think somewhat uh, strategically and prudently in this in that sense that uh, a lot of these things can change. And I'll turn over to Christine in just a second here in terms of resources. Uh, but one thing I, you know, will say is that yes, there there are. Really, there's two types of scholarships. What's called needs based, and the other one's called merit based. And so, most schools offer both 
uh, uh, scholarships based on a child's needs, and some uh, offer also on merit. So Ivy League schools, for example, like Penn, do not offer merit-based scholarships. Their philosophy is everybody at Penn is a winner, and so we can't be, be making those distinctions. But they certainly make a, a, a lots of uh, financial aid available on a needs base. And at Penn, if, you, if your family makes less than $220,000 a year, you're considered not rich. And so the, you, there's going to usually be something uh, there for you. But Christine, really about in terms of resources, is, I mean, it's certainly you guys do the survey, but it's more about, um, uh, you know, uh, kind of the status check and uh, state of affairs and so forth. Do you, you guys also have a bunch of kind of resources or kind of general uh, principles that people can read on in terms of uh, where to find scholarships or at least, you know, where they should be looking for those types of things or educating themselves on them? Yep, we certainly have resources on citizensbank.com and our student loan section where you can learn and understand about what's known as the FAFSA, which is what you have to fill out in order to qualify uh, for aid and scholarships and things of that nature within the schools. Um, Also, the federal government has a a website um, around student lending that you can also find additional information. But quite frankly, you know, as, as Kent said, a lot of that is school by school. So if there's a particular, you know, school or two that you want to keep your eye on for your daughter, uh, I would, you know, periodically check. And they, they, they publish what's their net price calculator and, and all of that within the school itself because every school's a little bit different. And so some schools do give merit, some do not, i.e. UPenn. Um, some will, you know, put the income cap at 225 like like uh, UPenn. Some have it higher, some have it lower. And so it's really each school kind of makes their own rules. Uh, and you should, you know, keep an eye on a couple of schools that you're interested in or that you think your daughter would be interested in um, and, and look there as well. Um, but by all means, please check out our website, citizensbank.com, under student loans. We have... Um, you know, options where you can find and look for scholarships and, and things of that nature. Is, is that helpful, Chris? Sure. I, I guess I'm way ahead of time. I guess right now my daughter is just interested in running a lemonade stand, so <laughs> I'll probably give her enough money to do that. Now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, though. Sure, sure. Thanks for calling. Yeah, I mean, at this point, her best strategy certainly is just study hard. But I, I, I probably would say contributing to a 529 at this point still makes sense. Partly, um, it's just a lot of years out. So many things can change. And also, you're from the state of New York. It's a high-tax state, and you can, uh, in the state of New York, unlike California, you can still um, uh, get a federal, uh, or I'm sorry, a state, you always get a federal benefit from the 529, but you also get a state income tax benefit from your 529 uh, contributions. So, Christine, let's, you know, we've been alluding to this debt um, issue, and in particular, in particular, in particular, some options of how people can start to think about managing student debt. Um, your th- your thoughts about how how do you know students think about this? How the parents think about this? Yeah, I mean, I think from a managing student debt standpoint, there's there's a couple of points. Number one, know what you're taking on, right? So knowledge is you know kind of the the first first piece. Of yeah. It. Um, if while you're in school you can make interest payments or you know anything of that nature, that helps for the debt not to continue to build. And 
you know, it, even if it's just small amounts of contributions, number one, also gets you into a good rhythm, right? Even if you're just paying $25 a month towards, uh, towards what you owe when you start borrowing, then you're already in that rhythm of making payments and understanding, you know, how much you owe and how much is left. Are you referring to private loans in particular there? Um, no, you can you can pay any of your loans while you're in school. So even if the federal loans are deferred, yeah. you can still make interest payments or principal and interest payments even though it's in a deferred status. Yeah. Um, so just making sure that you're making some contribution towards it while you're in school so that the debt doesn't just keep building up on you. Yeah. And then once you graduate, really understand what your options are, meaning if you've got a good job and you know, you're making a steady income and you've, you know, you're showing a good credit history, you can refinance those loans at a lower rate, um, depending on obviously your credit, you know, your credit capabilities. Uh, but you could save money on the interest side of what you've borrowed by refinancing. And so keeping an eye on that and keeping an eye on your credit and making sure that you're looking at that um, is a great opportunity in which to save money. And the same for parents, by the way. So if parents have taken out Parent PLUS loans for their kids, there is opportunity to consolidate and refinance, um, especially if you have good credit. So today the federal government rate is um, over 7%, and you already paid a four and a quarter percent fee. And even though your, your child is still in school, you could refinance uh, you know, the Parent Plus Refinance product that we have, you could save over, um, you know, two and a half percent off of the federal government rate if you're if you have a good credit. And so it's that type of, you know, knowing what your options are and how to save money that way is important, too. Yeah. So and then finally, just some tips on, you know, parents you know, sending their kids to college. Often it's the first kid who they're really trying to figure out how to how to do that. Um, and, so certainly they, they can do 529 plans uh, for kind of pre-saving uh, a, a lot of that. Then there's student loans. I mean, what's what's the kind of the full armory of that? You know, what parents should be using um, in terms of the loans? Uh, just, of course, start with the federal loans, private loans. Kind of what are all, all the tools that are available to parents right now? Sure. You know, we always tell people, look for the free money first. Yeah. Right. So whatever the school is going to give you, get out there, look in the grant and scholarship databases, um, see what you can qualify for there. So get the free money as much as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, then, on, you know, as far as the, the remaining of the loans, um, you know, the, the federal loans for the student, uh, which are your Stafford loans, you know, are, you know, a, a relatively modest interest rate. Everybody for the most part, qualifies for them. And right. to your point, I always like the idea of, you know, the, uh, your child having skin in the game. Um, the other piece of that as well is the parent is not responsible for that debt, and so the debt is only um, taken in the child's name. It, once you get into, once you get past that, then you have, I think, more options. You have the Parent PLUS loan, which is a federal loan, which for many is a, is a good resource if the parents don't have enough in savings to cover it. But if you have good credit, you should be looking in the market um, to providers who have either parent loans or student loans that the parent would co-sign because market rates prevail. And so it, they're all risk-based pricing. And so you could get a substantially better rate than what the federal government would, would offer you. And we have, you know, different terms. You can do, you know, five, ten-year terms. Um, you can do deferred interest only. You can do a full P&I uh, payment while your child is in school. So you have more options available to you so that you can kind of flex your um, flex your arm a little bit from, from a lending perspective if you're credit qualified uh, and save money. 
Yeah, excellent. Christine, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. You can find out more about Christine Roberts and as well as the Citizens Bank survey uh, by simply going to the website, uh, citizensbank.com, or following them uh, on Twitter at citizensbank. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 